0: You're tuned in to the Thinking Out loud, loud, loud. Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Featuring author, speaker, and minister. Michael Nimmons.
1: Pastor Damaris Johnson. This
2: is Nikichi Taifa, attorney and counselor at law, author of Black Power, Black Lawyer. You are listening to the Thinking
1: Out Loud radio and TV show with
2: your host, Pastor Michael Nimitz.
0: The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.
3: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. You're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you, want to welcome you to another brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Again, I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemes, and I'm so happy that you decided to spend this Tuesday with us right here on the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Guys, we've got a great show in store for you, but before we even do that, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. I know we just celebrated it on this panel. Sunday I hope you took some time out to uh, uh, do something special for your mother if she's still alive and with us uh, no uh, we're still in the midst of this pandemic and you have to be careful on you know taking her out and you know uh, going out to restaurants and things of that nature might be limited right now but I hope you took some time to do something special for her on mother's day and if she's not with us anymore or any longer uh, We hope that um, We know you spend time reflecting on uh, Her legacy And the great things that she's done In your life Again, uh, Mother's Day is a very, very important uh, uh, Holiday um, You know, it's right up there With Christmas and Easter uh, You know, Father's Day Is is way down there on that list Of, uh, <laughs> of holidays you know, I don't know why that is, guys. I don't know, uh, you know. But but nevertheless, uh, we just want to wish all the mothers that are listening uh, to us this week a Happy Mother's Day. I hope you had a great uh, Mother's Day on this past Sunday. Also, in local news, uh, Detroit Police. Chief James Craig uh, recently announced his retirement from uh, the Detroit police. Uh, eight years serving uh, this great city, the city of Detroit, as its uh, chief of police and is being rumored that he is running for Governor of the state of Michigan. Uh, And what's even more shocking than that, guys, is that he's also uh, coming out uh, as a Republican. That's right. That is correct. Uh, Something that he is, uh, I believe. ...purposely kept hidden uh, the entire eight years that he has been uh, chief of police. It's reported by the Detroit Free Press that in announcing his retirement, Detroit police James Craig said Monday he's evaluating his political options but didn't immediately announce a run for Michigan governor. Uh, Craig is expected to run in the Republican primary in a bid to challenge Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. In next year's gubernatorial race, a source close to the chief told the Detroit News on Friday. So I'm wondering, like many of you, why uh, did he why has he waited so long to let us know that he was a Republican? Hmm. I wonder why. Uh, there's, you know, of course, uh, problems going on with the Republican Party. Trump being the biggest one of them. And the other is that they can't seem to find their political identity. They don't know who they are. Uh, they seem to be coming apart uh, at the seams, uh, as, as somebody put it. Uh, but, uh, you know. In this particular instance, James, Chief James, former Chief James Craig. Now, um, if 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 it is true and he's in fact indeed trying to run for governor, um, I imagine he's doing so with the belief that he would become the first black governor of Michigan as a Republican. Um, but I'm sure, you know, you all know if he doesn't know that Michigan is not a Republican state; it's a Democratic State and Detroit, most importantly, is a democratic city. <laughs> so I I really don't see how you know he thinks what what he what his political fortunes are, uh, particularly in the city of Detroit. Um, we know when it comes to that and letting everybody know that he's a Republican running. Um, I think only um, sets him up for defeat so I love to get your thoughts and feedback about that as well I know you are just as surprised as I am uh, to hear that uh, Chief James Craig is a Republican I um, like many of you thought that he was uh, one of the better chiefs of police that our city has had in a long time so uh, for him to come out and say that to me is somewhat of a disappointment uh, but um, you know I, I, I uh, wish him nothing but, you know, the best, I wouldn't say success, but nothing but the best uh, in his political aspirations. If it is to run for governor, uh, I think, you know, if uh, Michigan's history holds true, uh, what typically happens is the incumbent governor usually uh, wins uh, a second bid and then, um, you know, during the next election cycle uh, the um what, come, what what usually happens is, uh, you know, the other party, if it's Republican or Democrat, usually uh, takes over at that point uh, with a new governor and a new administration uh, that runs for the entire eight years. So if he's looking to do that now, uh, that is a, um, and that seems to be um, he seems to be trying to buck the tradition, so to speak. But, you know, we'll see if that is true or not. I I believe that Governor Whitmore has done um, a great job in her first term, especially given the set of circumstances that she was dealt. The hand that she's been dealt with this pandemic, I think she's done uh, an admirable job uh, as governor of the state, especially uh, given uh, what we are going through right now. Uh, So I just wanted to say something about that and uh, feel free to let us know what your thoughts are about that as well. And as I said, guys, it is going to be um, a really, really interesting couple of weeks here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We're going to be talking about a very weighty subject uh, for the next two weeks. This Tuesday, May the 11th, and next Tuesday, May the 18th, Reparations. That's right, guys. We're going to be talking about it with two uh, notable scholars, uh, Pastor Demarius Johnson, uh, author of the book Reparations Now and Why, And uh, attorney and advocate and activist uh, Attorney Kenichi Taifa Uh, The author of the book uh, Black Power and Black Lawyer And uh, we had a tremendous discussion uh, When we recorded the interview uh, And I uh, decided that we just needed to take some time To uh, talk about reparations uh, on the show And really delve into what that looks like And and so we got, you know We rolled up our sleeves and really got into it and uh, and, and, And got down to the nuts and bolts of what uh, reparations uh, looks like or what look like uh, if it is, in fact, something that is actually achievable. Uh, So that is something we're going to be talking about. We've broken it up into two segments or two two shows, of course. May 11th, we're talking part one of our discussion, uh, Let's Talk Reparations, and then we conclude next Tuesday with part two of that discussion. As a part of it, we're talking about Black Lives Matter, We're talking about criminal justice reform. We're talking about can this administration even deliver on the promises that they've made to black America? We know President Joe Biden has uh, credited the black community for being uh, elected president of the United States. And so is he going to be good or make good on his promise to deliver on criminal justice reform? Is he going to, uh, you know, uh, take those uh, uh, extra steps to Uh, build that bridge between black America and white America under his administration Uh, you know is he going to be the president that's going to deliver on reparations so these are some of the things we talk about and address uh, in our conversation with these two notable scholars Pastor Demarius Johnson and Attorney Kenichi Taifa so glad to have them both with us on the next two weeks on the Thinking Out Loud radio show And in addition to the, uh, the interview on today, guys, we've got a dynamic thought of the week for you entitled, Encourage Yourself. And I'm sure during this time, encouragement is probably one of the hardest things to find. You know, we're at home, we're in solitude, solitary confinement in some in some cases because of the pandemic uh, and motivation and inspiration uh, is probably very hard to come by, but I am grateful again that you uh, stopped by on today and I believe it's not by accident that you've tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show for such a time as this because we have a dynamic thought of the week entitled encourage yourself that's right guys I said it right encourage yourself you got to sometimes pat your own self on the back you got to motivate and inspire yourself we talk about it uh, in our thought of the week and it's coming up at the the end of today's show also be sure to check out Thinking Out Loud TV this is our YouTube channel where we're posting a new video each and every week on the Thinking Out Loud TV and uh, this week we posted a video from uh, CHH artist Mouthpiece discussing the evolution of hip hop in a recent interview we had with him on the Thinking Out Loud radio show guys you want to check that video out you can do so right at Thinking Out Loud TV on our YouTube channel and if you want to hear the entire interview you can check it out wherever you listen to your podcast as well as on our website michaelnimmons.com and when you watch or listen be sure uh, to subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to Thinking Out Loud TV and that way when you do you'll be notified each and every time a new video or new episode is loaded with Thinking Out Loud TV uh, you be sure to click the bell notification, and that way, each and every time a new video is loaded to our YouTube channel, you'll be the first to be notified about it. So, guys, I'm telling you, we are putting up content each and every week for you to enjoy. And be sure to like and subscribe, rate and review uh, both the podcast and Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel, and leave us a comment. Let us know what your thoughts are about what we're posting. Right Right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Follow us on social media At TOL Radio Host MSN That way you can uh, uh, See what we're posting As well as be a part of the after show uh, That we uh, do Every Tuesday evening At 9.30 live On Instagram Uh, And speaking of Instagram We just posted something About uh, the reparations Shows that we're going to be doing On reels on Instagram And wanted to uh, just share this uh, comment that someone made uh, 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 under the post uh, Larkin.Troy says fools with their hands out what in earth have you been through in order to think you deserve any uh, some of this is not really um, discernible but he goes on to say I uh, get off of your butt send earn your own way Never look for a handout to get by. (laughs) So, this is what somebody posted under one of our. Uh, post on reels talking about uh, the reparation shows that we have coming up and this is quite frankly what uh, you know we are up against when we talk about reparations there are many people who think that um, this is not something that black people should be getting a conversation that we shouldn't even be having that we're not entitled to this nor do we deserve it and of course uh, many in the black community believe that that is not the question that is uh, that, that we do deserve it and very well entitled to it and should be uh, restituted for the 400 years uh, that we um, uh, participated or were forced or were considered forced labor uh, in this country. So uh, that's why this conversation is going to be interesting. Again, we like to get your thoughts and feedback about it. Be sure to make sh- be sure to comment on any of the posts you see on social media uh, when we're talking about uh, this topic of reparations. Uh, whether it be on twitter instagram or even on facebook or even on thinking out loud tv so we'll make sure we give you guys a shout out and of course that way you can be inserted into this discussion that we're having right here on the thinking out loud radio show Also, be sure to check out our latest blog entitled "Justice for George Floyd." That's right, justice for George Floyd. In just a few days, we're going to be remembering uh, this man's uh, death, May the twenty-fifth. Just a year ago, uh, that this this uh, black man was killed uh, tragically uh, by the knee of officer, former officer Derek Chauvin, who was recently charged and convicted with 3 counts of um of murder and so uh, we wanted you to check out this blog that we talk about uh, the disparities that exist in our country when it comes to how black and brown people are treated by the police and uh, how we definitely need the passage of the George Floyd Policing uh, and uh, Justice and Policing Act and that we need to encourage our congressmen and women to uh, pass this legislation. Uh, so we talk about that in our blog and you can read it at michaelnemmons.com got a lot of things going on on our website we're going to be updating it very very soon as well so stay tuned for that well guys we're getting ready to take our first break of the day when we come back we get right into our interview with attorney Kenichi Taifa and pastor Demarius Johnson talking about reparations guys you don't want to go anywhere you're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online it's the thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back
4: Hello, my name is Maya Nemitz, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nemitz, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now available on the Detroit Praise Network website.
0: You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.
4: Black to the bone, to the core, to the root. I am to America a very strange fruit, born from a tree nearly wilted from its traps into a world content with racial labeling and criminal profiles. I search for truths that have been withheld from books produced to tell history, and it's a mystery how they missed me or people like me when our backs were broken from building this country and our hands were calloused from sowing seeds upon which men and women would bleed and still not be freed for another 300 years. I believe some mothers still cry those slaves tears cause fear and anger run deep and get passed down through generations like heirlooms and in the heirlooms the stench of discrimination as this nation falls deeper into complacency denying black beauty and black pride
0: Black lives really do matter. Here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.
3: Hi, this is Martin Luther King III, and you're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio host Michael Lemmons.
0: The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you.
3: Who told you that you were naked?
0: Get your copy now available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting MichaelNemons.com.
3: Like a victim when you are already victorious. You send it to the 3D Hour Review Show. Keep
0: it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked.
3: <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back on another great edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And uh, we're calling it Let's Talk Reparations. And I have two dynamic guests on the call with me today. And I'm just ex- so so very excited about them being with us. Um, they are two heavyweights that I can't wait to jump into this discussion on today about this, this uh, weighty topic, reparations. But before we do, I want to uh, give them a proper introduction ladies first she is a leader uh, before her time stands as a pillar of the black uh, black power movement and as a long-standing people's lawyer a sought after spokesperson for reparations and justice reform she gained her law degree from george washington university and graduated magna cum laude from howard university uh, she has many awards, including Essence Magazine 2019 Woke 100 Black Woman Advocating for Change, and she's also the author of Black Power Black Lawyer. Uh, he is uh, he holds uh, many titles. According, I'm sorry, he holds many titles, including former NFL wide receiver, successful Buffalo business person senior pastor of worship center and amazing amazon rather best-selling author of the book mission impossible married his college sweetheart for 25 years and the father of three says his goal is to bring about a true transformation in god's people he is also the author of reparations now and why healing america's racial divide i want you to give a warm thinking out loud radio show welcome to attorney, Nikichi Taifa, and Pastor Demarius Johnson. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
2: Glad to be here. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Absolutely.
3: Thank you. So happy to have you guys. Uh wow. <laughs> well again we are so very excited to have you guys both here with us to talk about this weighty subject of reparations. Let's talk reparations. But before we do, I want to start with uh Nikichi, tell us about yourself as well as share with us about your book Black uh Black Power Black Lawyer.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so very much, Pastor Michael Nimmons. I'm Nikichi Taifa. And no, I was not born with that name. I was born in the 50s. And I can assure you, my mama did not name me Nikichi Taifa (laughs) in the 50s. But I adopted an African name at age 16. I came of age during the, um, uh, you know, the Black Power Movement, I guess you could say, came of age, you know, as a Pre-teen, when the black studies were coming into the uh, classroom and these were the things that was moving and, and grooving me and I used to as a teenager, 16 years old used to go downtown to the Black Panther Party uh, office and uh, you know used to sit in on the political education classes and sat on the lap of that fine brother pulling security in the front office of the Black Panther Party <laughs> but I used to <laughs> have some papers downtown and one day I just sat down in the middle of the of the street and at, not in the middle, shown on the curb, and actually opened up the paper and came to what the portion called "What We Want, What We Believe." And point number three just really caught my mind. It talked about it. Said we want an end to the robbery by the capitalists of the black community. We believe this racist government has robbed us, and now we are demanding the overdue debt of forty acres and a mule. And I'm like gonna think about that. I said, "What?" What is all this? You know? mm-hmm. So I started um, learning about this whole issue of reparations. I didn't know then about the Rosewood, uh, uh, Florida, race massacre. I didn't know about the Tulsa, Oklahoma, dropping of the bomb. I didn't know about the Elaine, uh, Arkansas massacre, to Wilmington, North Carolina. I didn't know about all of these things, but I could just feel in my bones just psychically the cruelty of the enslavement era. And I knew that this was an issue at that young age of 16 that I wanted to be a part of. So I started talking about it everywhere. I could. grew up, became a lawyer, still started talking about it. And now I'm just honored to be in the company of some of the leading minds of this country uh my my brother here the the reverend damaris johnson one of the leading authors in in this country academicians economists psychologists psychiatrists 2020 democratic candidates vying for the nomination and you know it's an issue whose time has come
3: absolutely i agree with you 100% that um that this is definitely a topic on the minds of, uh, a lot of people, not just black people, not just black people. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe the time is now, maybe the time is right for this to happen. So, um, that being said, I want to kick it over to pastor Johnson, Demarius, uh, Johnson, uh, to share with us a little bit more about himself and his book.
1: Yes. uh, Thank you once again for for having me, uh, Brother Mike. It it, it is a pleasure to be uh, on the same stage or Zoom call, so to speak, with Nikiti once again. I've been with her before and it's just, I sit back and I just listen so I can learn, you know, because of the history that she has in this fight and and, in her fight for Black America and specifically reparations, you know, it it blessed my soul. I I would consider myself new to the fight. Um, This this work came about uh, in a very unique way and I'll I'll share that maybe a little later, but for me, growing up uh, in Detroit, Michigan, I grew up right in Detroit, brother Mike, uh, on the east side of Detroit, and and we called it Black Bottom. Mm. And growing up with parents who you know who worked hard, and my mother experienced. The um, the culture of white supremacy and and in her life and that was my first time really experiencing not really understanding it but I knew that you know that there was something that I would want to do about you know the pain she suffered when she lost her job because she was a black woman you know so you know my uh, my my upbringing was centered around my dream of becoming a professional football player though. That was my first focus was to become a professional athlete, become a professional football player from the time I was eight years old, you know? And I was sitting down watching a, watching a football game with my daddy and it was the Miami Dolphins playing the playing a, uh, a New York Jets. And one of the Dolphins players scored a touchdown and I jumped up and I said, daddy, 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 that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be when I grew up. And he said, calm down, son. My, my father's like six, 225 pounds, he's a basketball player. He said, son, if that's what you want to do, you can do it, but you got to work hard at it, mm. right? And so my whole focus from the time I was eight years old was to become a professional athlete, right? And I kind of focused in and zoned, uh, focused on that, and, be, and became that. And then once I got, once I got to Miami, uh, which was the first team I played for, I met a guy by the name of Irving Fryer. Irvin Fryer at the time was was the first wide receiver to ever be drafted with the number one pick in the NFL, and mm. he was he was he had a name. He had been in the league like ten years, and so me being the rookie receiver, him being the elder receiver, he kind of took me in. And adopted me to teach me how to play the game, but at the same time, he was he was in training for his ministerial license, and he started sharing with me the gospel, and and, and that was my first time ever hearing about the gospel. I grew up on church and ended up going to a service and, and and getting saved at the service, and 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 the Lord just consuming my heart, and and gave me a, a, a mind to forensically study the Word of God, and so I went after forensically knowing and studying the Word of God, and and it's it's been you know twenty years for me. Um, and it just focusing on that. But then recently, uh, you know, several years ago, I'll probably say about four, three or four years ago, um, I got a hold of um, some of Claude Anderson's material and uh, started listening to Dr. Claude Anderson. And and that led me to a lot of other authors, a lot of other men and women with the mind of, of, of healing Black America. And then reparations came up. And so I I, I cried out to God. And, I, and I, again, I will share how the book came about. but But I wanted to know what God thought about it. And so that put me in a position to really begin to seek the face of God for, for black America. And I've always had a heart, heart, even when I started my business. Once I started playing football, I started a business. It, it was centered around empowering black athletes. And so that's been, been what, what my heart has been. Um, And so that's what has brought me to this point to where now now we're in this we're in this fight for black America to be reparated, you know, due to a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about later on in this interview. Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: And guys, we are so happy to have you both with us. Um, I'm, again, honored and humbled by the opportunity to speak to you uh, both about, uh, again, such a weighty topic as reparations. Uh, I want to start with you, you know, um, the, the, the just kind of piggybacking off of your, uh, bio, um, it had to be, uh, a really awesome experience for you, uh, to, to have, according to your, uh, according to the article I read about you, you, you know, you sat at the feet of such leaders as, um, uh, H. Uh, uh, H. Representative H. Rep. Brown, Dr. Angela Davis, Dr. Amari, um, uh, and Attorney Shakoa Lumumba. And you were quoted by Tana Side Coates. I just got finished reading his book, uh, We Were Eight Years in Power, an, Amer- an American Tragedy, a powerful, powerful book. And I want to know from you, you know, what was it like uh, sitting at the feet of these great men and women uh, you know, leaders in the African-American community. And, and, and now, you know, of course, um, you know, you are, uh, one of those up and coming, uh, stars and, and, and what was it like though, uh, talking to the likes of Dr. Angela Davis, you know, and as a, you know, a former member of the black Panther party.
2: Okay. So let me clear something up first. I was never a car carrying member of the black Panther the party. Mm-hmm. I used to sit on the lap of the brother, and I used to sell papers downtown, but I was never actually a member, so I just want to go and clear that up right now. No problem. Um, but yeah, but it's like, when you're in the midst of greatness, you, you don't always know that you're in the midst of, of greatness. You know, I sat at the feet of some of Detroit's finest, who you may or may not know, because they probably came before your time. Chokwe Lumumba who was a celebrated attorney in Detroit, and mm-hmm. later on became mayor of jackson mississippi his son now holds that position i sat at the feet of brother imari uh, uh abubakari actually i as a college student was head of what was called the national committee to free the rna 11 they had been viciously framed by the federal bureau of investigation and spent years unjustly uh, in um uh, prison but you may not know you may know that um um the the TV show Aretha had come on at the uh, first anniversary of the group that Amario Bedelli and Chokwe Lumumba were uh, with called Republic of New Africa, Detroit police shot up Aretha Franklin's daddy's church. Mm -hmm. Okay. You you know, and um, all of this were things that I was learning about as a young person uh, coming of age. And I just vowed that, you know, We don't want things like that to happen. I sat at the feet of someone named Queen Mother Artley Moore, who is considered the mother of the reparations movement. She started doing the Garvey movement back then in the 20s and had been involved in every single reparations movement uh, uh, you know, since that time. Um, Angela Davis, I was thrilled and honored that she wrote a blurb for the back of my book, okay? I didn't know Angela back then, uh, but I was always around dealing with issues, dealing with injustice and, and just incarceration and things along those lines. And I write about Angela in my book, but more so than Angela, I was very intrigued by her co-defendant, who most folk don't realize is still sitting in prison today, Rochelle McGee. Everybody knows about Angela, Big Bush, you know, everything, but no one remembers about Rochelle McGee. So what I served to do, try to do is to, um, dredge up from the uh, uh, the corners of history, from the cobwebs, from, from the footnotes in history and bring uh, those people to light. And I dedicated my book to a number of uh, these persons um, as well. But besides Angela Davis, Danny Glover wrote a blurb for the back of my um, book. Danny Glover, the great actor, humanitarian uh, in the light. The son of civil rights activist, James Foreman, I wrote a blurb for the back of my book, James Foreman Jr., professor at law. And it was James Foreman Sr., the civil rights activist, who stood up in a church in New York, okay, Riverside Baptist Church, and said, y'all pay up here now, you know, (laughs) reparations, you know. And a number of religious institutions, I'm talking about 1968, did in fact do that um, as well. A blurb on the back of my book, the son of Pan-Africanist Marcus Garvey the Honorable Marcus Garvey, his son wrote a blurb for the back of my book, Dr. Um, uh, Julius uh, you know Garvey and uh Nikki Giovanni. Uh, y'all don't like it, y'all, y'all young, but you know, back in the day. We're talking about the Black Arts Movement. Yeah. Nikki oh, my Giovanni, God. Nikki Giovanni and Sonia Sanchez. Sonia Sanchez wrote a blurb for the hardcover of my book. But these were idols that I looked up to. I could right. recite all Nikki Giovanni from here to eternity, you know? Right, right. So, you know, all these people left imprints and impressions and inspiration uh, on me. But a lot of them you don't really hear in the history books. And what I wanted to do is lift them up in my memoir, "Black Power, Black Lawyer."
3: Wow, that sounds like a great book, and I definitely have got to get my copy of that as well. But again, we're so very happy to have you on the show with us on today. Now, um, uh, Demarius, you know, um, you talk about uh, you know being in the NFL as a wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. I want to know from you. You know, uh, are there any experiences or were there any experiences as a professional football player uh, that, um, you know, kind of influenced your uh, recent campaign for uh, reparations? You know, uh, of course, we know all about what happens with, with Colin Kaepernick and what is happening with him taking the knee, deciding to do, do that for police brutality and for the plight of black America. Um, you know, I want to get your take on that. And again, have you experienced anything as a professional NFL player, former wide receiver for the Miami dolphins and the Buffalo bills that might've influenced your, uh, desire to, uh, to push for reparations uh, for black
1: America? Well, during my during my time uh, in the NFL, you know there was an awareness of the injustices taking place in Black America toward Black, uh, black America, but there wasn't a uh, a push like it is now within your professional sports uh, arenas. This stuff stayed within the locker room, mm. so there was things that were talked about within the locker room. There were there were connections and brotherhoods that take place within the locker room that that wasn't reaching the public uh, like it is today. So you know there was there was definitely conversation. At the time, uh, my focus wasn't where it is today. My focus was strictly on becoming a professional athlete and going to get my family out of the ghetto. Right. Right. That was the extent of me, um, you know, um, uh, wanting to wanting to get engaged in the in the in the, uh, the, the, movement for black America, along with my dream was to play, play in the NFL for a certain amount of time, make enough money, then go back into my community and establish businesses and build businesses and employ, you know, my friends and their family. So that was, that was my mindset and how I was going to help black America overcome poverty. Those that, that, were, that was connected to me. And so after I got done and I got saved and I started focusing on the word of God, then it became, you know, uh, what my first book was about, which is mission possible. And you have something to do and how God is destined each and every one of us to come out of poverty into prosperity. And then the second one is focused on the bigger picture, the overall picture, the national picture of what God wants to do for black America and how God's heart is for black America and how now is the time for black America to be reparated for the, for the centuries of maltreatment that we've experienced. And this all was inspired in me, uh, not just by my NFL experience, but by, the most recent Uh, I should say the most recent in the, in the 2019 HR 40 hearing, which Danny Glover was a part of, there was uh, a representative Sylvia Garcia asked a question to the representing clergy. And I can't call, recall his name right now, but there was a clergyman that was, that was representing, sitting beside brother Danny Glover representing the HR 40 bill. And she asked this question and it was unique because she was the last, she was one of the last ones to go They were running out of time. And you had had, you know, you know how those hearings go, everybody voicing their opinion. And she then, and said, you know what, we've heard from everybody. We've heard this and we've heard that and we've heard this. She says, but the one thing that I want to know, and she directed her question toward the clergyman. She said, What would Jesus do mm. about reparations? Oh, I'm telling my brother, that thing went off in me. I got excited. I sat up on the edge of my seat because this is this is what I want to hear now. And unfortunately, the clergyman didn't have an answer. Mm. And I walked away so disappointed that it drove me to prayer. And I said, Lord, I never wanna be in a situation. Or well, somebody asks me, what would you do, or what do you think about reparations? And I don't have an answer for them. And I'm to my brother and the kids kind of heard this a little bit in our last interview, I'm talking about a download, I'm talking about a download of revelation and understanding came to me from Genesis to revelations about how God feels about oppression, how God feels about the oppressor, how God reconciles, how God reparates, how he repairs the people that's been oppressed. And I'm talking about from the beginning to the end, I saw it like I've never seen it before. And I I wrote this book a Probably in like two and a half months, it was just it was just coming, it was just coming, and so we wrote it, and, and out it came, and it, and it and it really focuses on the kingdom of God, not Christianity, because we get that confused. The kingdom of God, Christianity is what got us into this mess, right? Mm-hmm. And I can explain that a little bit later, but the kingdom of God's what I call kingdom justice. It 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 is included, and it is centered around not just repentance but the repair of a people. And so we get into a lot of different aspects of the book, but most people don't really understand God's perspective because they don't know God's language. And so we talk about that, but that is what inspired me to really get to the place where I am now. And and now, you know, knowing Nakichi and, and and reading her book and, and a lot of the other authors that I've come across that have been a part of this fight for, for, you know, decades is also the the current inspiration that I have, uh, but primarily it's, it's, it's the will of God and what God, what god's listen is demanding what he's demanding that that our government do for black america and now is the time
3: absolutely absolutely you're listening
4: to the thinking out loud radio show with pastor michael nimmons don't you dare touch that dial Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jamel Hill, and you're listening to
2: the Thinking Out Loud radio show with my man, Michael Nimitz. Stay live.
0: The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. giving voice to issues that matter to you. The people have spoken. From Minneapolis, Minnesota, an Important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't, don't 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 don't
3: touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. I know you're enjoying part one of Let's Talk Reparations with Attorney Kenichi Taifa and Pastor Demarius Johnson. Let's get back into this insightful and powerful discussion. We know reparations is the right thing to do. Uh, Those that are listening and even watching on Thinking Out Loud TV, our YouTube channel, know that to be uh, the answer. I would hope and believe that to be the case. But should it be a realistic, practical expectation for black America uh, from white America for 400 years of slavery? Uh, Should that be an expectation of ours, a practical, realistic expectation of ours uh, as black Americans, uh, for white for black Americans uh, from white America uh, as restitution for 400 years of slavery? I'll start with uh, with uh, Demarius and then uh, get your response uh, next. Uh, Nikichi
1: well, well my, my response to that is a resounding yes there should be an expectation for the practical implication and execution of reparations for black America specifically speaking the, the American descendants of slaves and and with the direct monetary payments i believe in direct monetary payments and then i believe in, in, in a comprehensive overall plan for the entirety of black America right um and and, and again i come i come strictly from the perspective of first and foremost, of the will of God. I initially was going to name the book The Will of God for Black America is to be granted reparations. But after having a conversation with my publishers, we, we decided to go with reparations now and why. Because what, <laughs> we, what we break down in the book is the why. Like, like, and I'm after, I'm after what I believe is the missing ingredient to this reparations fight. I'm after the white evangelical. Mm. Who claim jesus as their lord mm. Who talk about the kingdom of god who say all this stuff about the kingdom but but historically they, they 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 voted conservatively they they fought for conservative values well guess what reparations is a conservative value if you call the, the word of god uh your your book for life then it's 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 filled with the reparative plan of god salvation is god's reparative plan for mankind so I don't know how we've gone this long without recognizing it, and there's been many, you know, that 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 preach a restorative gospel and, and have, have touched on it from from Brother Martin Luther King to to the long list of preachers. But but the thing that I think has been missing is is this this challenging of the white evangelical clergymen and, and laity that, that refuse to acknowledge and recognize that God's will is to repair Black America, that God's will is. And so we go into the language of why that is, and we go into the, the other aspect of, of what, what should be done and what needs to be done. And first and foremost, there needs to be an awareness that comes to uh, the body of Christ, and specifically Black America, of this being the will of God. And and I'll share this last thing, and I'll and I'll hand it over to Nikichi. If I want to communicate anything from this from this work, is that God has a I'm talking about an insatiable love for Black America, an, an insatiable, and I know we've been through a lot, but God loves us, and He He's going to see to it that we be repaired, and reparations is the primary focus of that repair.
3: All right, uh, what are your thoughts, Nikichi? <laughs>
2: I agree 100% with Brother Demarius. I mean, if we value ourselves, meaning Black people in this country, if we value ourselves as human beings, then we can expect no less than what other human beings anywhere in the world uh, expect. Uh, reparations is a principle of international law, which the United States is very well familiar with and has practiced in the past. In fact, you know, quite does this cap reparations were in fact paid after the enslavement era. The problem is they just weren't paid to us. reparations were paid to the former white slave owners for the loss of their property, i.e. us. In 1987, in 1988, legislation was passed in this country. Uh, granting $20,000 to each Japanese-American detention camp survivor, a trust fund to be used to educate Americans about the sufferings of the Japanese-Americans during World War II, a formal apology from the United States government, and a pardon for all those who resisted detention camp internment. My brother Michael, brother Demaris, pastors, both of you, it is a sad commentary that the United States government has not taken responsibility for its role in the enslavement era and beyond. It's never attempted reparations for our Black people, for the extortion of labor for generations, the deprivation of, 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 of freedom and human rights, terrorism against us throughout the centuries that still goes on here today. So to not afford... Descendants of Africans enslaved in the United States, that same province that is accepted for other people is
1: I don't even know what blasphemy is. It's criminal. It's criminal. Coming out is blasphemous. It's criminal. It's criminal. It's criminal. That's exactly what it is. It's criminal. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Nikita, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. It, it's all good. That's, that's all I I, I. I just want to say the connections are there uh, as well. When we see that video, if you remember uh, quite, uh, uh, not too long ago, the video of the hot, the wolfless pursuit, the blatant lynching of Ahmed Armory in um, Georgia, the gunning down of Mike Brown and uh, Ferguson like a dog in the street, the Taylor gunned down in her. Bev George Floyd choked within a um uh you know, inch you know, with his life the bullets into the back of Ashar um um uh, Brooks. We know that there is a connection between the U.S. criminal punishment system, and the necessity for reparations, reparatory justice. When we hear about those brutal gynecological experiments on enslaved women devoid of anesthesia, which led to modern medicine, we know that there is a connection between um, um, uh, the enslavement era and beyond and the health deficit that we face, the disproportionate Coronavirus deaths of Black people, you know disparities in the health system. The when we know that they're prison beds, prison beds constructed on the test scores of little no. Black boys in the third grade, we yeah. know that there is a connection between the educational system and the need for repertory justice. There's a connection between the lack of economic uh, opportunity and the necessary for uh, repertory justice. There's a connection between the post-traumatic. Slavery syndrome and um, what we call the transgenerational epigenetic inheritance. I'm not even gonna explain that right now, but there is a connection. Each and every one of these issues must be compensated in its past time that the United States, with its racist, with its genocidal, with its sordid past, come to terms and begin some healing.
1: Hmm. If I if I can add to that, brother Mike, I, I love Nikichi and I love the perspective she comes from, and and, and, and we need that. But here is the perspective that I want to come from that I think needs to be needs to be added to that when it comes to God's will, right? So we we, we, we use a we use a time frame to illustrate why we should be now expecting and believing. And we use the 400 year time frame that when God's example of delivering the nation of Israel, um, from, from, from their slavery, right? Well, that number 400 is, is powerful in this sense. The first is it, it represents the, um, the eight, eight, 50 year cycles of jubilee and, and jubilee was a time where debt was canceled reparations was paid slavery was ended there was a there was a liberty that came to overcoming poverty right so we, we see the number 400 that represents um eight 50-year cycles now the number eight represents new beginnings in mm-hmm. God's timetable, mm-hmm. and then the number fifty, the number the number of uh, fifty speaks to the 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 spirit of jubilee. So, four hundred years to, to to God represents one deliverance, both spiritually and economically, and it represents the the uh, repairing of a nation. So, we use that as our time frame. That. Everything that Nikita just mentioned, but when you add to that, that it's God's time frame now, that's why we really believe now is the time, and now is the time for black America to have an expectancy. See, but it's going to be a matter of faith. They need to hear what we're talking about from the God perspective as well as from Nikita's perspective. And so we we need the historical perspective, but we need the the kingdom of God's justice um, uh, declared to the to the masses of black America and, and specifically the ones I'm after is the white evangelical America that's proclaiming this gospel. I mm. just I just I just think they need to hear it from a from a different perspective.
3: Well yeah I I uh I agree with both of you and um you know uh this 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 is a, a very very interesting discussion both are uh you you've made some very uh, I think good points about the why that, uh, reparations, uh, is deserved by, uh, 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 for black America. And I don't think really that is, um, th- that's, that's, uh, really, um, something that's debatable. I think white America understands the why or knows that there that the why is there, but it's something that they not, they're not willing to accept, or they're willing to, uh, grapple with the why, uh, because, you know, for, for every reason that you mentioned the Kichi and for every reason that that you mentioned the Marius uh, reparations uh, should be given uh, to black America. But uh, for somebody that is, you know, looking at this uh, debate and looking at looking at this discussion, um, you know, with with the 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 understanding that um, this Congress, this Senate, you know, we, we may have a Democratic president in office we may have the first vice president uh in, uh a woman in kamala harris south pacific south asian pacific woman in kamala harris we had a black president and in, in barack obama it just not it just does not seem like uh this is a realistic expectation or realistic um uh, um or a realist, not shouldn't a seem say expectation. It could be an expectation of ours, but something that um, you know, just does not seem to be uh, possible or materialize. Um, and, and, and you could probably even say that you know about the the the, the uh, you know us, you know, that was something that was said about even President Obama ever becoming. Uh, President of the United States. I've heard a lot of black people say that they were they weren't even expecting that reality as well. But I want to go back to something that uh, Marius said uh, just re- just a minute ago about the white evangelicals, uh, because this this very group. Uh, we all know the, the 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 religion has been weaponized by the white evangelicals it was this group that consistently uh you know was was consistently quiet when uh donald trump was in was in office but uh, they were, uh, you know, they 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 criticized everything they could about President Obama. You know, they criticized this man's clothes, they criticized this man's policies, they criticized uh, his desire to um, do something in the black community when he wanted to. So, uh, how do we even go about trying to influence and convince? this, uh, you know, not just white evangelicals, but white America, that, uh, reparations is something that black American, black Americans rightfully deserve and are entitled to.
1: Well, uh, what I see happening is this, right? So you mentioned the word, you just mentioned the word, you said debate, right? I think, I think the greatest challenge to, uh, the kingdom of God and his will being done is Christianity. I really believe that. Not only have Christianity been silent, they've been advocates all the way back to. You know when this thing first started, when when the edict was declared by the pope over in Rome of sending of, of going to Africa and bringing back 12, 13 slaves to, so they can serve him, right? And then you know that 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 speaks to the the origin or the idea of of what they thought about Black America. Whereas right now, you go over you come over into Americanized slavery, which is a whole another you know the, the the chattel aspect of it, and and you see a whole different aspect, but it's still a a church. Christianity sanctioned thing right these men claim to know God these men claim Christianity you know I we can go back and talk about how how they they use the Bible to to as a weapon to enslave so so I think Christianity is the enemy to the kingdom so how do we get the white evangelical community to embrace this is first of all point pointed out that this is not a Christianity thing this is the kingdom of God thing. And in the kingdom of God, the king's word rules. There is no debating it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get in the face and say, listen, either you believe this or you don't. Either you claim yourself to be something you are or you're not. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, I come out of a world Either you make the team or you don't. Right. It is or it ain't. And, and, that's, and we can't be afraid of that. We can't be afraid to say, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road. Who, who, what side of the road are you going to stand on? right and so once we reveal truth the way we reveal it in the in the word of god i had a i had a southern baptist minister challenge me initially on what we were talking about right. all i said to him was listen i'm not going to debate with you cuz for me it's not a debate he said read the read book, the book. Mm-hmm. read the book just read it to the to the glory of god he read the book he wrote my only forward in the book changed his entire perspective That's what has to happen. We have to get material like this in the hands of that white evangelical world, and it's uh, to me, it's line upon line. And once they see that, now now you join, you bring that faction over into what Nikichi's been doing all her life, and all of that, all that she represents, and you put that force together, and now we got the prayer might of the church, and now we got the power, political power we need, and now we got the resources we need to to push push this agenda through, which is the will of God for black America to be reparated. Now, that's how I see it happen. What are your thoughts? How do we convince these white
3: evangelicals who, who we, we all know the last presidential cycle, uh, we, we heard Paula white say that they were calling angels from Africa to, uh, That's Christianity. To That's Christianity. That's Christianity. For, for for President Trump, and 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 we heard white evangelicals say it was God's will for President Trump uh, to be reelected, and 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 it did not happen. So these same white evangelicals are the ones that we're now uh, have to come to and and try to convince that reparations is what not only um uh black Americans are entitled or deserve rather, but are entitled to. How do you go about doing that?
2: So let me just say this. The concept of reparations is really, really sweeping uh, the country. And I'll just say, y'all got the evangelicals. Y'all got the religious community and all like that. I'm going to let, like he said, read my book. Read his book. I mean, (laughs) you know, it it is there. But when I look and I see that Ben and Jerry's ice cream, has come on board in supporting reparations. When I look and see the amalgamated bank, the largest union based bank in the United States has come on board with respect to reparations. When I see that the Jesuits has pledged $100 million to seek to begin to atone for those 272 Africans, men, women and children that they literally sold down the river to keep Georgetown University from um, um, uh, from bankruptcy. You know, when I see the American Civil Liberties Union Human Rights Watch, I mean, it's like so many, church, you know, the, the National Council of Churches, United Church of Christ, United Methodist Church, all of the, you know, it's like the floodgates are beginning to yep. go wide open. I mean, I never believed that the term white supremacy would become a mainstream term. Never in my wildest dreams. I didn't even believe that we will have a black president in our lifetime. And I surely didn't believe that uh, a former reality show TV host would be president. (laughs) I'm just saying all these things that we never envisioned happening or coming to pass has in fact coming to pass. Who could have predicted that January 6th, insurrection by white terrorists at the Capitol, the seat of government? Who would have guessed that? I mean, I'm just, I, I'm bringing it down to home. Who would have guessed that finally, finally, a jury would convict a killer cop? <laughs> I mean, you know, what I mean? so I mean, all are three ch-
3: all three counts,
2: well, I, I, all I, three counts. You to guys, add to that, to right? add
1: to that, Nikichi. Who, who would have guessed we would finally get the bill HR40 finally get pushed through and passed. Which again, which speaks to why we should, why Black Americans should be excited about this. Yeah. Like everything that Keisha just brought to the that's why I just love listening to. Her. I just let her just let her, I can just listen to her to bring out the history. <laughs> of it. I mean, she's seeing this thing unfold for the last, you know, however long she's been involved? 20, 50 30 years, years, my brother. She's it.
2: <laughs> Fifty years. So it's never in my mind. I've been working on the HR forty, the Commission to Study Reparation Proposals for African Americans, that ever since it was first introduced in nineteen. 19- eighty nine. And so now finally it passed out of the House Judiciary Committee. It had laid dormant for thirty years. A change is gonna come, y'all. Sam Cook mm-hmm. said it's coming. And we are the ones that are making it happen. You know, we just have to put the right tools in people's hand. Reparations now, and why? That's a tool to be put in people's hands. Black power, black lawyer. That's a tool to be put in people's hand. When you stand up on the pulpit, pastor. That's a tool to be put in people's hands. So, I mean, I'm just saying. I, you know, I don't know. I don't honestly if it's gonna happen in my lifetime. But I'll say one thing. We're far, 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 far closer to it now than we have ever been. I, I,
1: I'm, I'm going to go out on it. And I, and I, do, ah. I do believe it's going to happen in the Kesey's lifetime. I, I believe it's going to happen sooner than we realize. All I don't right. know if it happened within the, within the current presidency's tenure, You know, I I really don't expect him to be there for four years anyway. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen sooner than we think. I really believe that because of the timetable that we draw in 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 the work that we put together in Revelation 9. Why? I really believe it's going to happen in Sister Nikiji's lifetime, and we're going to see it happen. And 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 I want to speak to you. Said you said, convince the evangelicals. I'm not trying to convince them. I'm just presenting truth. You now now you got to decide on what you want to do. But there's going to be a remnant. There's going to be enough. We don't need the whole. We just we just need that. We need to cross the chasm of having that 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 uh, just enough that remnant that that we see happening and God used throughout the scriptures. That's going to push the. don't, 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 don't Touch that dial. It's a thinking out our
3: radio show. We'll be right back.
0: Clifford. As journalists, we just
4: have to keep doing what we're doing day in and day out. And all we can do is report the truth in a non-biased manner, and everything else will work itself out.
0: Activist and thought leader, Marcia L. Dyson.
4: Obviously not Nancy Pelosi, because again, because of social media, she said what she said, but that she's not going to be the ones who stopped uh, her colleagues from not only thinking out loud, but talking out loud, whoever they are, authentically.
0: Pastor and intellectual, Dr. Frederick Haynes III. In the black church, according to the uh,
2: brilliant author and historian and scholar L.H. Welchow, uh, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, That's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're going to be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the
1: church itself came out protesting it was a movement of prophetic witness uh to you know the insurrection of the resurrection of jesus christ
0: we bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the thinking out loud radio show
3: hope you enjoy part one of let's talk reparations with attorney Kenichi Taifa and pastor Demarius Johnson let's hear the conclusion of part one of this insightful and powerful discussion for all the reasons that 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 you Nikichi have have said and 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 uh, definitely pastor Demarius you know with Coming at it from the God perspective, all of those are correct. And and I believe that I I strongly believe that that it is the right thing to do. But the problem is, you know, when you when uh, uh, Malcolm X when he was uh when he was alive and you know he was the 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 one of the leaders uh at, during the civil rights movement you know he early on he talked about separating from uh from white america and going back to africa marcus garvey uh uh talking about separation and and preaching the theology the, the theology of separation during that time um but also the the, the problem with that was they were actually requesting to do that from the same people that were oppressing them. And And so this this kind of re- the reparations discussion reminds me uh, similarly of of that debate or of that discussion that took place back in the 1960s. We are asking the oppressor to uh, give us restitution for being oppressed. And, oh, I mean, and trying you, you, to inf- and convince them that we're worthy of that
1: restitution, and well, and I, that's and that's the problem. Well, I know it's a problem, but Moses had to do the same thing, right? That's why we use the word of God. Like, like I'm sure they thought the same thing. You, you, you when you go to eventually, it's going to have to come down to can can America be made to do it if it comes down to that? Mm. But I understand the hesitancy. I understand that, but 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 the biblical. Uh, Pattern that we've been given just points to like my faith is high for it, so I, I get it. I just think it's a matter of of I can Nkechi's faith is high because she's seen the process, right? So it's just a matter of people being able to receive the the insight that that we have to give them. And I'm
3: impressed by both of your optimism. Uh, and and, and <laughs> I'm impressed.
2: You know, it's it's the right thing also to do as a lawyer. If my client gets hit by a, 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 a car. And they go to court, they're expected damages, a right. remedy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's what is owed. It's I what agree. new. due. It's yeah. a basic principle. Well, we got over 400 years of that car hitting us. And it wasn't accidental.
3: Right. It was, <laughs> it was intentional. intentional.
2: When it's intentional, it's even more damages. You know what I mean? The, the, the culpability is even more. So, um uh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's not, it's, not that, it's not that I disagree with the idea that it is the right thing to do. It's the legal thing to do. But to me, it's not its not—it's not a matter of right. It's going to be a matter of might. When we say we don't
3: have to necessarily convince the white evangelicals uh, because they're not the ones that are really holding the power to, to, to create and sign the legislation, it's the white Republicans, the conservatives, that you know, the Mitch McConnell's, the the uh, you know uh, uh, the, the, the 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 senator from South Carolina, oh Lindsey Graham, you know, it's those kinds of individuals that that will you know, Lincoln, uh, McConnell has has gone on record saying that you know we're not going to do anything about reparations. You know, plain and simple. And and so what do you do when you have someone that is bold enough to just come right out? They're not hiding it. We're not doing anything about reparations for black America, because in so many words, we don't believe you're entitled to it.
2: Well, there's something to um, being in control of the White House right now because there's another option. And that option is the H.R. 40 can be enacted, can come into existence pursuant to executive order. Now that goes to the issue of when we talk about convincing convincing Biden to do it. And, Mm. you know, he's on record saying he owes his presidency uh, to black people. So, I mean, I'm just saying that I can count. I know how many votes is needed in the Senate in order to to pass through a a filibuster. And we ain't got them votes unless they change the filibuster laws. So my thing is, let's get a strong vote in the House, on the House floor, and then do any and all pressure that can be done with respect (laughs) to Biden to have H.R. 40 come through um, and, and just as a thing, H.R. 40 doesn't give one red cent to anybody. It's right. a commission to study and to make recommendations for proposals. Right. Okay, so right. I don't even know what people are scared about. Right. It ain't reparations. It is a commission. It's the route that the Japanese Americans took. So anyway.
3: <laughs> Guys, I want to delve into more of that discussion and to... Uh, get down to some of the brass tacks about, uh, you know, what reparations looks like. We've always called it, you know, for our 40 acres and a mule, but is that really what we're expecting from uh, the uh, from white America in the, in this, you know, 21st century, are we expecting cash payments? Are we expecting uh, land and, uh, and oxen or are we expecting something else? I remember having a discussion uh, 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 with uh, someone who was making comments on our Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel about the very idea of reparations, and that they believe that uh, African Americans need to be uh, financially compensated in cash, uh, and I just, you know, said that this it, it doesn't seem like it's even economically possible for that to happen. So uh, I'm going to start with Nikichi in this segment. Uh, I want you to get. Let, let's talk. What does reparations look like for you? When you when we talk about this concept and idea of reparations for 400 years of slavery, uh, what do you think it's going to look like or should look like for Black America?
2: Okay, thank you very much, um, Brother Michael. I want to start off by saying that no amount of any type of compensation or um, a remedy can atone for the over 400 years of what was stolen uh, for Black people. I want to start off by saying that. And then I want to say the harm of the enslavement era and post-slavery degradation, the harm was multifaceted. Thus, the remedies must be multifaceted as well. What can and should it must look like, from my personal perspective, a hell of a whole lot of things. Cash, land, repatriation resources, scholarships, uh, corrective uh, policies. Uh, we spoke during the break about, you know, uh, um, you know, some people wanting to go back to Africa or this or that or the other. There was an essential thing that was lost during the enslavement era and that was the right to of our peoplehood, of our identityhood that, that was stolen. Some people do want to go back to Africa. Are they supposed to go and just swim naked? Some people wanna go somewhere else or whatever. Some people wanna really seek to join this nation, this white nation has strived to make a multiracial democracy real. But some people want that other choice of self-determination to establish their own independent land base on this soil, which they worked and built upon, negotiated with the Native people. So all of these should and could be viable options. We have people sitting in, in prison. I'm not even talking about the mass incarceration, but I'm talking about the people who were resistors, who fought for uh, you know, freedom and 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 as a result have been in prison 40, 50 years, the fourth prong of the Japanese-American Redress Bill said a pardon for all those who resisted detention camp internment. That could be part of a reparation settlement for Black people as well. A pardon for those um, um, you know, acts of resistance that they get. It can be monuments, it can be museums, it can be uh, you know, again, the harm was so great there's not just one remedy housing uh, resources closing up the economic um, white, black, white wealth gap. I could go on and on and on. But the final thing I would just say is that is the province of the commission. HR forty one cent it is passed to listen to all of the proposals from all different segments of black folk or black, uh, you know, society, and come up with a set of, 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 of reparations. And that's where the negotiations will will start.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, To you, Demarius. Brother Mike, I believe there's two streams uh, associated with it. One of the examples we use in the book, we call the Zacchaeus experience. And when you look about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was an oppressor of the worst kind. Uh, you can almost line him right up with what's happened without, with America and the government and, and how they treated black, black America. So Zacchaeus, uh, he had two streams or two forms of reparation. One was a direct payment to those who he had defrauded. The other was a payment to those to whom uh, the, the culture of the people who he had harmed. So I see it as a as a direct monetary payment. Uh, biblically speaking, for the descendants of slaves, American slaves, and then I see it as an overall more comprehensive plan, everything my dear sister just brought out. And, and then some. Everything. But it's two streams to it. When you study the history of how God will repair a nation that's been oppressed, there was always Direct monetary payments, and it's all throughout the the, the history and the, and the and the experiences of those who got reparated. And then there was a social um, repair that needs to take place. And that social repair covers again everything Sister Nikita just brought out to what happens within the Black community, from infrastructure to educational opportunities to entrepreneurial opportunities. Anything that's going to do this. And and listen, we 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 just started a a nonprofit called We Value Black Life. And until you're, until you're ready to put a systemic plan in place that's going to help black America come out of poverty, you're not serious about helping black America right? That's what it comes down to. A feast is made for laughing, and wine make it merry, but money, money answers all things. Money is what gives us the ability to have solutions to the problems we face in life. Money is the ability or, or wealth creation is the, is the thing that gives us the ability to bring solutions to the poverty that we face in our community. So until you're ready to systematically put things in place through a reparative plan, a reparations plan, that's going to address the uh, descendants of slaves in direct monetary payments, and then also the social connection between within black America and you, and you put things in place to deal with that. Now you're seriously talking about a comprehensive reparations plan. That's going to bring solutions to, uh, and healing to all of the, uh, damage from the psychological to the spiritual, to the physical, to the emotional, to the trauma, everything that slavery, uh, and it's legacy has produced within the community. Now you're going to see healing. So we believe it's both direct payment and a social uh, repair that's that, that covers every aspect of our, of our, social climate
2: and brother michael i agree absolutely with brother uh demarius um uh said and it's saying and it should not be a situation where the united states said we can't pay we don't have the money they that 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 has that (laughs) that's out the water now i mean when they can come in up with trillions for this and that and the military and the coronavirus i mean don't tell us when it comes to black folks that you ain't got the money Okay. Now I will say there's a lot of work in healing. This healing we need to have and do as a people. The internal reparation that we need to do amongst ourselves, you know, as well. And that 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 we haven't even begun you know, to uh, address that, there's a lot of issues that we have to deal with in the community when you deal with direct payments. And I am a proponent of direct payments. I know there's a lot of controversy out there in the community with respect to that, as to, to how do you operationalize that, how you're going to assess who is this and who is that. Even terminology, I don't say descendants of slaves. I consider myself a descendant of Africans who were enslaved in America. But you know, we have all these sem- semantics and stuff. We, there's a lot of work that we got to do ourselves but the central thing is it is owed it is our right it is due and it must be paid
4: you're listening to the thinking out loud radio show with pastor michael nimmons don't you dare touch that dial Everyone, this is jazz saxophonist Jasmine Jen, and you are listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with your host Michael Newman.
0: The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. now available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting MichaelNemons.com.
3: Like a victim when you are already victorious. Good friend of ours, iconic, legendary radio host right here in Detroit, John Mason. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you, Pastor Michael, man. <laughs>
0: of a cloud and always listen to Thinking It Out Loud. It'll change your life. It'll do it. Every time you watch and listen, it'll change your life every day.
4: Tune in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show every Tuesday at 8 p.m. with radio host Michael Lemons. Available everywhere you listen to your podcast and now available for download on the Detroit Praise Network app.
3: It's time, time, Tom, for the Thinking Out Loud radio show of the week. In 1 Samuel chapter 40, King David, the king of Israel, found himself in a very precarious situation according to the word of God when David and his men were in Ziklag, the Amalekites invaded their camp, pillaged from them and took their wives and their family captive and burned the city to the ground. When David and his men discovered this great travesty, his own people were ready to stone him to death because their camp and their belongings had been ravaged by the enemy. The great king who once protected his father's sheep as a child, slew lions and bears, and even the great giant Goliath, the great king who rose to the throne as a lowly shepherd boy, now needed some encouragement to make it through this difficult time. His two wives, his children were taken captive by the Amalekites and instead of his people bestowing sympathy and empathy upon him during the time of sorrow, instead they wanted to kill him themselves. Isn't it ironic that in those times where you need encouragement the most, it seems the hardest to find, oftentimes the very same people that you've helped and you've given words of comfort and solace to are either nowhere to be found or even worse they're unwilling to reciprocate those same courtesies as you've extended to them then you're left wondering what to do next because you desperately need an encouraging word to get you through this dark period in your life but david did something extraordinary david did something unorthodox david did something completely different than what you or i would have expected in his position Instead of having a pity party, instead of wallowing in despair, instead of singing, sweet low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. In verse number six, the word of God says that David, in spite of being distressed for the people, spake of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved. Every man for his own son and for his own daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Probably the most important thing that David did in this scripture was encourage himself. When he couldn't find any inspiration or motivation from anyone else, when he couldn't find it from his men, when he couldn't find it from any of his friends, when he couldn't find it from the very same people that he was leading, David found encouragement from within himself. Sometimes you have to encourage your own self in the Lord. Sometimes you've got to take a minute and pat your own self on the back. Sometimes you've got to take some time and in speak into your own life. I know we've often seek comfort and encouragement from others, and we find value in what others think of us and seek their approval and their support when we're down in the dumps. But what happens when you can't find anyone to stroke your ego? What happens when you can't find anyone to say you did a good job? Or what happens when the very same people that you've helped are unwilling to help you? You've got to find a way to encourage yourself in the Lord. You cannot allow discouragement to linger because discouragement is a tool of the enemy to keep you distracted and to prevent you from being all that God wants you to be we talk about this very thing in our latest book entitled vision distractions are the enemy of purpose and discouragement is an accessory of distraction oftentimes distractions work in tandem with discouragement to shift your focus from your purpose to your problems the more focused you are on your problems the harder it is for you to see your purpose Don't let distractions and discouragement prevent you from seeing your purpose. It is your purpose that the enemy knows is directly tied to your success. If your purpose becomes your focus, then nothing will stop you from achieving your goals. If purpose becomes your focus, then no matter what happens around you, you'll always find a way to overcome it. If purpose becomes your focus, you'll never allow discouragement to distract you because you'll do like David did and not I can see defeat to the enemy, but if you fast forward to the end of the story, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken from him. Essentially, his encouragement became the vehicle that God used to bring about his victory. So today, I encourage you to speak over yourself and encourage yourself in the Lord. by that thought of the week encourage yourself guys you got to take some time today pat your own self on the back speak into your own life because you cannot afford to get distracted by discouragement and shift your focus to your problems instead of your purpose but encourage yourself in the lord With a special shout out to Attorney Kenichi Taifa And to Pastor Demarius Johnson For being with us on part one Of Let's Talk Reparations I hope you enjoyed part one of this discussion that we're having this week and remember we're going to be concluding this discussion on next Tuesday with Pastor Demarius Johnson and Attorney Kenichi Taifa uh, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show guys there's so much to talk about uh, when we're talking about this, this weighty subject of reparations. remember uh, you can comment and, and give us your feedback uh, whenever you see these posts on social media us us at Tol radio host MSN uh, or if you want to send us an email do so at contact at michaelnemons.com we love again to get your thoughts and feedback about whatever we're talking about right here on the thinking out loud radio show you never know we might bring it up we might talk about it we might share your comment right on the podcast be sure to leave us your comment whenever and wherever you see the opportunity Again, remember to check out Thinking Out Loud TV. Each and every week, guys, we're posting new videos on our YouTube channel. When you watch, be sure and subscribe and like the videos that are posted on the Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel. And be sure to click the notification button so each and every time a new video is uploaded, you are the first to get notified. Join us uh, later this evening at 930, guys. We're going to be live on Instagram for the after show talking about the podcast, talking about today's hot topics, as well as uh, let's talk reparations. Want to get your thoughts and feedback about that. That's another opportunity that you guys have to share your thoughts about uh, any of our show topics, but specifically on on today, we're going to be talking about reparations. So join us tonight at 930 for. Of the after show live on Instagram. Uh, follow us at TOL Radio Host MSN so that way you can join in on the discussion. Well, guys, we get ready to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed uh, the, uh, today's show. Again, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide. Well, we're getting ready to get out of here. Tune in next week as we continue part two of Let's Talk Reparations. But until then, always remember, if you think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you it's the thinking out loud radio show thanks for listening
0: thank you for tuning in to the thinking out loud radio show if you like the show be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more info about the show and the ministry, visit MichaelNemons.com. Want to book radio host Michael Nemons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at MichaelNemons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.